Greetings once again, Retreat Church. So good to be with you and bring the word of the Lord into your heart and mind today. No matter where you're listening, be it online or if you um, are listening to one of our podcasts or watching the video, I just pray that God is helping you navigate through these very uncertain times. And to help you do that, I believe that throughout this Christmas season, I want to talk to you about something that is certain, something that is not up for debate something that is not up for a vote, something that does not depend on somebody else's um, interpretations or ideas, something that we don't need to fear that we're being manipulated or lied to or controlled, um, something that we don't need to um, say, well, that's a matter of opinion or that's um, a matter of of your own personal taste or your perspective. It's none of that. It's something that is, is sure, something that is, that is secure. And that is your victory that is in Jesus Christ. The victory that Jesus has already provided for you. The victory that Jesus has already won for you, already accomplished. In fact, after he did it, he said that it was finished. And you know, when we think about Christmas, we can't fully understand Christmas unless we at least consider Easter. Because Christmas and Easter, those two holidays, those two holy days, times of celebration for followers of Jesus, they, they, their meaning depends on one another. So the meaning of Christmas really depends on Easter, and the meaning of Easter really depends on Christmas. And you have to understand that when Jesus came, when God became a man and lived a human life, The whole purpose of that virgin birth, of that young life lived, being raised by a mom and a dad, that young life being raised um, in the Jewish temple and being able to ask questions and to um, answer questions as as Jesus did, the time of growing up um, and then being baptized and fulfilling all things and being tempted in the wilderness and being tested and then doing, performing his ministry and then his death and resurrection. All of his entire life, he was doing something that would secure something for you and I, that he was motivated by something very specific throughout his entire earthly life. And what he was doing was providing something that wasn't going to be up for debate, that wasn't going to depend on you. It wasn't going to depend on me. It was just Jesus doing something secure, something that had been promised, something that had been planned before the, the ages, something birthed in the, in the mind and the heart of God before he even spoke one thing into existence. This, this was going to happen. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. There was no plan B. There were no phases or stages. There were no um, questions. There was just purpose and certainty from the heart of God lived out in human form, accomplishing for us what we could never accomplish on our own. And so this Christmas season, I want to talk to you for the next three weeks about what I'm calling a victorious Christmas. That's what I want us to think about this Christmas. I want us, I want us to think about the victory that Jesus has provided for us that is unquestioned, that is certain, that is 100% ours, no questions, no debates. I want to take you to a passage in Hebrews chapter 2 where I believe helps us get our 
our understanding grounded on what exactly Christmas is, what exactly the Advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ was all about. There are many places throughout the entire Bible that help us understand this, and of course, to do an exhaustive study to that would not be a message that we could do in the short amount of time that we have. But I think Hebrews chapter 2, specifically verses 14 through 18, help us get a grasp of what Christmas was and the certainty of this victory that was provided for us. And today, you may be encouraged to know that we are just going to settle in on one, one of these verses, and that is verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2. But in introductory um, form to introduce this sermon series, I'd like to read to you this entire text. So the word of the Lord says this in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So for the next three weeks, we're going to unpack this passage of Scripture, and today, just dealing with verse 14. And one thing that I really, or the main thing that I really want you to walk away from today is this, that becoming human, Jesus gave humanity victory over death. I'm going to say that again. Becoming human, Jesus gave humanity victory over death. Let's look once again at verse 14 where it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Now the first thing that we come to understand in this text is that our, our humanity was his motivation. Because we are human, because we are what we are. You know, there is, there's no arguing what we are. I think humanity has this, um, this very easy time displaying who we are with, with the division and the chaos and all that has been taking place over these last several months. We can look at our world right now and we can boldly say that our world is displaying its humanity. Our ability to fight, our ability to argue, our ability to uh, d disagree, our ability to be divided, our ability to separate ourselves up into these uh, little groups where everybody thinks the way we think and then you think that so you stay over there. We like to refer to people as red and blue. We like to, do, we like to uh, say, well, the people in the Midwest or the people on the, 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 the East Coast, the West Coast people, North people, South people, we're always dividing these things up in all of these different ways. And whatever kind of perspective you have, you, you start to center around that and you think that Jesus is about getting you victory and that Jesus is about making the world like you think it should be. Well, Jesus wasn't up to that. That's not why Jesus came. Hey, shocker here, Jesus did not come as a human to make the world the way that I think the world should be. 
and Jesus did not show up to make the world like you think it should be. He came to provide for you and to identify with you and your humanity was Jesus' motivation. All that makes us us. Jesus said, because they are that, I am going to become one of them. Isn't that interesting that we have a Savior that is motivated by who we are? When we live in a culture that is motivated by their own self-determined perceptions of themselves, we, it is very popular today to self-identify. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. Just free to become and free to be and free to define However, because they pushed away a creator, and now you've just said, well, if there is no creator, then I am God. I can decide what I am. I can decide what's good, what's right. I can decide what's bad, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. It's all up to me. Jesus is the exact opposite of that. Jesus did not come. Jesus did not come and demanded to be served. He came to serve humanity. He came and said, because of your brokenness, I will join in your brokenness. That is such a fascinating reality about our Savior. Notice Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 kind of move this, this point and summarize it to a way that we can understand clearly. When Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus, who, get this, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, he, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross." Your humanity, your brokenness is the motivating factor that caused Jesus to humble himself, to die on the cross, and to provide you life. That is an amazing reality that Hebrews helps us to understand. Second thing that we understand in this verse is that because Jesus became human, his death is what we call substitutionary. It's like we were supposed to die but Jesus did that for us. We were supposed to pay the penalty for our sin and for our rebellion. We were supposed to be under the wrath of Almighty God, but Jesus took our place. Jesus came, assumed flesh. He was incarnated. He then not only joined in us, but he substituted himself for us in the place of receiving the wrath of God in the place of being punished for sins that he did not commit. And when we think about Christmas and we think about Jesus being born in a manger and we think about holding Jesus and Mary holding Jesus and the things that she pondered in her heart, the things that she must have been thinking about holding Jesus and the reality of that moment when Mary was holding her child, the reality was is that God was taking on human form so that he could be in humanity's place and receive the punishment of humanity and that that was going to be a substitution. It was meaning that we did not have to, 
That means that we didn't need to suffer, that the victory over our enemy death was going to be won through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. And low notice what Peter says about that in his epistle in chapters 2, verses 24 and 25. He says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we are healed, for we were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so Peter understands that we receive the healing. We receive the freedom. We receive the victory because Jesus took on flesh and Jesus stood in our place on that cross and was crucified for sins that he did not commit so that you and I can have the victory, so that you and I can experience freedom, so that you and I can be once again reunited with our creator and you and I can live in the victory over the things that, that always seem to, to trip us up. And the one thing about our world today is saying that whatever hinders you, identifies you, whatever causes you to live a life disconnected from your your purpose and disconnected from victory becomes that which identifies you. So if you're tied up in addiction to alcohol, you're an alcoholic. That's it. That's you. That's who you are. That is what you are. And you will forever be that. The gospel of Jesus Christ redefines you. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not define you by the, the mistakes that you've made and the addictions that you have. The Bible defines you in the victory that has been won for you in Jesus Christ and that identifies you as a child of God. Child of God. And when you look at this passage of Scripture, you see this motivation of Jesus saying, they're human, so I'm going to become human and dwell among them and stand in their place. Not only was the death of Jesus substitutionary, but it was also representative. It's very important part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially when you understand it through the lens of Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7, where Paul writes this, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Representative. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, For if we have been united with him in his death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So... It's not just a forgiveness, but, and it's not just a substitution, but it's a representation that he is representing us, and what he is doing is as though we were doing it. Is as he was dying, it was as though we were dying. As he was being raised from the dead, it was as though we were being raised from the dead. And the certainty of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the certainty that you and I live with, that we too, though our bodies will die, we will be resurrected with our Lord and Savior and spend eternity in life because victory over death has been provided through the substitutionary and representative death of Jesus Christ. And that victory is certain. There's no recount needed for that one. There's no um, trial needed to see if this really 
is for you or for me. There's nothing up for grabs in that. There's, there's nothing up for debate in that. There's nothing questionable about that. It's the certainty of the victory of Jesus Christ is based upon the nature of God and the person of Jesus Christ and the work that he accomplished so many years ago. And when we finally look at the last part of this text is when it starts to get a little kind of, I don't know, a little uneasy because we start talking about this biblical figure that is very hard for us to discuss, and that is the devil. Be one reason why it's hard to, to discuss the devil is because there's so much weirdness about that, you know? There's a lot of jokes about that, and it's almost as though the devil has been, um, I don't know, kind of ignored because a lot of Christians feel like if we talk about the devil that somehow we're, we're, we, we've gone off our rocker or, or we've, we, we've abandoned you know, our sanity and we start talking about this little dude or this big dude with, uh, with horns and, and a tail and a pitchfork and all that, that kind of nonsense. Um, or we run around you know, blaming everything on the devil. You know? um, oh, I sneezed. Oh no, that, that was a demon coming out of me. Or all, all of these weird kind of things because let's face it, the devil is scary. And when people get into an area that is scary, they start getting weird, you know? I know some people that, that when they're scared, they can't stop laughing, you know? We, we, we do certain things like that. Some people, when they're scared, they get the hiccups. I mean, I don't know. Like, all of these kind of weird things start happening, and we want to kind of, some people want to joke their way out of it. Other people, I mean, it is just so scary that we don't even want to talk about it. It's, it's like the, the, the evil presence and, and that, it, that is alive in our world, we, we don't want to talk about it because it's just too horrifying. And if you've ever been um, confronted by um, a demonic presence, that you, you know how, how challenging and how horrible and, and how life-changing that is. And you would rather talk about something else. You would rather talk about Santa Claus. You would rather talk about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, my favorite, the snowman. I just, you know, Frosty's pretty cool. Just, you just see what I did there. Frosty's pretty cool. But anyway, um, you think, well, we would rather talk about that than at Christmas time talking about the devil. Oh, that he's not invited to this party, right? But notice what this verse tells us. It says, he himself likewise partook of the same things, in other words, lived our life, that through death might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So this verse identifies the devil as the one who has the power of death. Now, you and I, that, 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 that's earth shattering for us. That dis, that's disturbing when we think that the devil, the father of all lies, the father of sin, the, the institutor of rebellion, the accuser, all of those negative things, this person, this entity has power of death. However, notice what Jesus did on the cross for us. This verse tells us, and so many other in the, in, the, in the Bible, tell us that through dying and resurrecting, Jesus canceled out his power. Jesus got rid of his power. In other words, the one that had the power of death, the devil, the one that sought to destroy humanity, has now been rendered powerless. Powerless. No longer to be feared no longer to be worried about, canceled out. And you'll notice that in the death and 
victory of Jesus is summarized in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and it says this, or yeah, in verse 10 of chapter 1, excuse me, it says, and now he has revealed the grace through the appearing of our Savior, there's Christmas, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and illuminated life, illuminated the way to life and immortality through the gospel. Isn't that amazing? So how did, how did this happen? How did the devil get this power of death? See, the devil gained the power of death by initiating sin in Adam and Eve back in Genesis chapter 3. That's when he got his power. Humanity gave him that power. That was a revolutionary moment in, Re- in Genesis chapter 3. But also in Genesis chapter 3, you have a prophecy. When God was handing out the punishment to Adam and Eve and to the serpent, he spoke of a coming victory. He spoke of a victory concerning the offspring of Eve. The offspring of Eve. He didn't say the offspring of Adam. He said the offspring of Eve. Through Adam, all have inherited the sinful nature. There would be one that would come, an offspring of Eve, one virgin born, that would become humanity representative and substitute and win the victory. For in Genesis chapter 3, God prophesies that the offspring would be bitten on the heel, but he would crush the head of Satan. Christmas is that victory. Christmas is the arrival of the one that would stand in our place and represent us and destroy the one that had the power of death so that you and I no longer need to fear death. You and I no longer need to consider death to be an end of our existence, but it is a transitional into our eternal existence. And it is not only something to be looked forward to in eternity, but it provides to us victory over sin, which institutes death. You see, death was something that humanity was not supposed to experience. That's why we view it as so horrible, because when God created Adam and Eve, they were to live forever. They weren't to experience death. And the reason why they began to experience death and all humanity since has experienced death is because of sin. When you have sin, you have death. But as Jesus came to give us the victory over sin, and give us the victory over the power of sin, give us the victory over the subsequent result of sin, which is death, and he has provided all of that victory. Now, when we consider this at this time, we're combining the birth of Jesus with the death of Jesus, that his whole life was this certain victory, that it was never up for grabs, that it was never going to be a plan B. And so with this in mind, I I pray that with all the uncertainty going on in our world today and all of the distractions that you may have today, and 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 I know that as we're 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 making the world a little more beautiful.
beautiful this time of year, right? We're making our living rooms look a little more beautiful with the Christmas trees and, and maybe our neighborhoods are looking a little more beautiful these days. And I know that sometimes our neighborhoods get a little messy during Halloween, right? There's graveyards set up in people's front yards and there's skeletons and there's all this stuff. And, and then we shift and we shift into Christmas where there is color and there is beauty, and there is warmth, and there is like a, like a magic almost, right? This is what it feels like. It's, kids are like this magical time of the year. And that is because life, life comes, get this, and I, I, I'm just kind of making a little observation on the calendar here, okay? But you have this celebration of death. You have, it, it appears in the season of Halloween that it's just death. But then you have is followed by a season of light and of life and of victory and of certainty and of grace and of mercy. So as we have left Halloween behind and as we are now celebrating the fact that Jesus came to give us victory, my prayer for you becomes that may you live with the certainty of victory in the midst of uncertain times. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.